Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, literally Heather. I hope that you are already having a happy Tuesday morning, my family. Uh, Palmetto State Armory still has their amazing Father's Day sale going on right now, and I believe it will actually run through next weekend, but a lot of things are selling out fairly quickly. So if there's something you're wanting to snag for your dad, your husband, or yourself, please get it before it's out of stock. I have two deals for you today as of recording the first is a Smith & Wesson subcompact 9mm, which is regularly $649.99, currently on sale for $399.99. The second is actually a bundle deal. It's the Vortex Strike Fire 2 4 MOA red dot uh, and green dot, uh, along with 10 30-round 5.56 Magpul Gen 2 PMAG magazines, regularly $322.99 on sale for only $199.99. I will let you guys know, this scope has gotten rave reviews from the people who have bought it. I would definitely snag this one if you're looking for some glass. Both links are in the show description as always. And also just a quick note, I will not be producing a show tomorrow morning because my mom is having brain surgery to have a tumor removed. So I will be at the hospital with her I do apologize, and then we have book club Wednesday evening, so I will be back on Friday. Um, And now we'll get into the show. The White House on Monday called for a controversial pistol regulation that would impact millions of Americans, requiring many more gun owners to register with the federal government. President Biden's Office of Management and Budget released a statement backing new federal regulations for stabilizing braces for pistols. The White House also blasted a Republican congressional effort to push back against the rule, making clear Biden would veto Republicans' bill if needed. Why is the Office of Management and Budget commenting on infringing on America's Second Amendment rights? It's me. I suppose when you're handling something like budget management in the U.S. government, you really don't have anything to do since they don't operate on a budget. The fight over this issue kicked into high gear in January when the Department of Justice, ATF, issued a final rule to put pistols with stabilizing braces into the category of short barrel rifles, thus subjecting them to heavier regulations, a.k.a taxes where you have to pay the government to own them. Those braces allow users to fire pistols with one hand and were initially designed to help people like disabled veterans to continue using firearms. It's such a much more diplomatic way to say it. The new rule would require Americans to pay a fee and register their braces. Lawsuits were filed to challenge this rule and in May, a federal court temporarily blocked the rule until a final decision is reached. Firearms Policy Coalition, which is the greatest legal organization in the country, working tirelessly to ensure that we do not lose all our rights to a tyrannical government, challenged the Biden rule in court 
and said that it would have made millions of peaceable people into felons overnight simply for owning a firearm that has been lawful to own for a decade, unless they either destroy their constitutionally protected property or comply with the NFA's onerous and unconstitutional requirements. According to the ATF, there are 3 million guns with stabilizing braces in the U.S. Failing to register could lead to fines and even imprisonment. We're gonna have to put us all in jail, brother. The White House pointed out that some mass shooters have used stabilizing braces and argue the braces make pistols more like short barrel rifles, which are much more heavily regulated. The rationale is clear. Short barrel rifles are more concealable than long guns, yet more dangerous and accurate at a distance than pistol shots or traditional pistols. For these reasons, they are particularly lethal, which is why Congress has deemed them to be dangerous and unusual weapons subject to strict regulations since 1934. Let me ask you guys a question really fast, like just a, a logical, let's just sit here and be factually honest with one another for a moment. A gun that is fired into a human body, what makes a brace around the arm of someone more lethal than the bullet coming out of the chamber into the skin of a human being? It doesn't. They just want to make it sound scary and make it sound like they're important. Killing people, shooting people, is a crime. Infringing upon the rights of law-abiding citizens is also a crime. U.S. Rep. Andrew Clyde of Georgia introduced a resolution in March to overturn the federal rule change via the Congressional Review Act, which allows Congress to block federal rule changes. The White House, though, has blasted the Republican effort. Even though congressional Republicans should take additional action to keep these and other dangerous weapons off our streets, they are instead pushing a resolution to reverse this rule and the progress we have made to enforce existing statutory requirements on these dangerous weapons, OMB said. Ma'am, this is a Wendy's, and no law supersedes our right to keep and bear arms, and that right shall not be infringed by you, the government at large, or anyone else for that matter. And no, you cannot see the manager. Go manage the budget or something. As a pillar for free speech and media, Fox News has sent a cease and desist letter to Tucker Carlson over a competing Twitter series from the channel's former star host that drew a combined 169 million views for its first two episodes. Carlson has launched Tucker on Twitter and has praised the social media platform as a model for free speech and used his first few Twitter videos to criticize the mainstream media for what he has described as groupthink. In a Twitter thread posted Monday, Harmeet Dillon, one of Carson's, Carlson's attorneys, who regularly appeared on his show while he was still on Fox, accused the network of attempting to muzzle its former primetime star. What you're seeing on Fox today is a censored version of the news, Dillon said. 
Keep that in mind as you make your viewing make your viewing and your commenting choices. Fox did not respond to a request for comment. I guess that's because, you know, they were busy. Sean Hannity was hanging out with Gavin Newsom. So I guess you could say things are getting pretty serious with uh, the Fox News transition at this point. How much can the IRS snoop in your business without you knowing about it? A lot more now. After a recent Supreme Court decision that is raising privacy concerns among experts. Last month, the highest court in the nation unanimously sided with the IRS and Pulselli versus the IRS, solidifying the tax agency's ability to ask for documents or financial records of those associated with a delinquent taxpayer without notifying that third party. The decision reinforced the agency's capacity to get information under wraps, experts say, and gives the IRS too much power and too few limits on how that information can be used. I think the concern would be that this allows the IRS to ultimately get access to information that purportedly is in connection with collecting taxes from a taxpayer, taxpayer A, for example. But then, inevitably, it is information about taxpayer B that wouldn't have otherwise been available to the IRS. Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson used the example of a dry cleaner to illustrate the potential extent of this law in the court brief. In summary, she offered the following. Think about a a delinquent taxpayer who frequents a mom-and-pop dry cleaner. If the IRS believes that financial records from the dry cleaner could help in tax collection, the agency could issue summons to the dry cleaner's bank for years and years of financial statements without even notifying the shop owners. In this scenario, the shop owners are powerless to object to the collection request. The ruling also lacked clarity on how widely the IRS can use information that they obtain. Although the court's brief said the agency can only use the summons against the taxpayer concerned in the summons, experts worry the IRS could use the same request as the pretext for another case. While the summons is supposed to be about taxpayer A, if the IRS finds something fishy in a third party's record, Then the worry is that the IRS will use that information to launch yet another investigation into another taxpayer. An important distinction that the Supreme Court made in this case is that the IRS may issue a summons to help determine taxes due, but it must provide notices to do so. If the summons is to help collect that balance, no notice is required. The decision helps the agency in collecting unpaid taxes in two ways. First, taxpayers or their associates can't squash a request because they don't even know it exists. And second, ill-intentioned debtors cannot move their assets under someone else's name. What sometimes happens in tax collection cases is taxpayers start to do creative things so that the money is not in their name. So I'm not shocked or terribly upset that this decision is what it is. 
but Sartre still thinks that the ruling could have been more precise to address the third-party privacy concerns. Personally, I'm disappointed, he said. I would have hoped there'd be more consideration. I hate the IRS as much as I hate the ATF. They're both abominations. We started a revolution, over a 2% tax on tea, and now we sacrifice more than 50% of our paychecks, and for what? The Fed to print endless money and diminish the value of our dollar to non-existence? Protecting the borders in foreign countries and not our own? Funding wars that we didn't ask or approve to be involved in? Do you feel represented by Daddy Gov? Because I don't. And at this point, for me, taxation is just theft. Where I see this going is intrusion in app banking like Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, and crypto. It's a way to open more audits. Oh, you were sending and receiving money with XYZ? Well, let's look into XYZ's information and see if they claimed this as income on their taxes. No? Well, we must do an investigation on XYZ as well. Fucking hate government, man. All right, Twitter's new CEO, Linda Yaccarino, has officially entered the building. On Monday, she sent her first memo to employees titled, quote, Building Twitter 2.0 Together. Yaccarino is a longtime advertising executive, having previously led global ad sales for NBC Universal. Musk has said that he'll continue overseeing Twitter's product and, and engineering teams while she will lead everything else. Her main task will be rebuilding Twitter's ads business that has crumbled since Musk took over. It's going to be no small task. Based on the tone of her note today, she at least seems up for the challenge. The memo said, Building Twitter 2.0 together. Hello, Twitter. People keep asking me why here, why Twitter, so I'll tell you. From space exploration to electric vehicles, Elon knew these industries needed transformation, so he did it. More recently, it has become increasingly clear that the global town square needs transformation. To drive civilization forward through the unfiltered exchange of information, an open dialogue about the things that matter most to us? Have you ever been talking with someone particularly insightful and thought, you're brilliant, everyone should get the chance to hear this, or I'm learning so much from you, can we do this again? Or maybe it's as simple as you should have the freedom to speak your mind. We all should. Enter Twitter 2.0. Twitter is on a mission to become the world's most accurate real-time information source, and a global town square for communication. We're on the precipice of making history, and that's not an empty promise, that's our reality. When you start by wrapping your arms around this powerful vision, literally everything is possible. You have to genuinely believe and work hard for that belief. And in this moment of complete reinvention, We have the opportunity to reach across aisles, create new partnerships, celebrate new voices, and build something together that can change the world. And from what I can tell so far, you're built for this. The success of Twitter 2.0 is all of our responsibility. We need to think big. We need to transform. We need to do it all 
together. And we can do it all by starting from first principles, questioning our assumptions and building something new from the ground up. It's rare to have the chance to put a new future into the hands of every person, partner, and creator on the planet. That's exactly why I'm here with all of you. So let's dig our heels in, four inches or flat, and build Twitter 2.0 together. Uh, That four-inch comment is a dig at the reporters who are saying the only reason she was picked for the CEO position was to take the fall when Twitter fails. I think they called it a glass cliff. Um, She's done well holding her own, though. Okay, J.P. Morgan Chase has agreed to pay $290 million to settle a lawsuit over the bank's ties to Jeffrey Epstein, according to lawyers for Epstein's victims, a deal that comes shortly after top executives were questioned over the scandal. The lawsuit, which claimed the banking giant helped facilitate the dead pedophile sex trafficking ring, was filed in Manhattan Federal Court in November on behalf of anonymous victim Jane Doe and other unnamed Epstein accusers over the course of a 15-year period. The suit claimed J.P. Morgan knowingly ignored red flags about Epstein until 2013 because and profited from his sex trafficking venture as he brought other wealthy clients to the bank. The agreement was reached three weeks after J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon's two-day deposition, where he reportedly maintained that he never had any dealings with Epstein, didn't even know the sex offender was a J.P. Morgan client until his 2019 arrest. Ex-J.P. Morgan executive Jess Staley, however, contradicted the claim. According to documents reviewed by the Wall Street Journal and reportedly was deposed again over the weekend. Criminal Enterprise 101, gentlemen, you better have your story straight and matching. That said, does anyone else see a problem with this? You can help support and sustain a child sex offender for years and just casually settle out of court and your dirty laundry gets to stay behind closed doors? Staley reported... Lee had admitted that he and Diamond did, in fact, communicate about Epstein both in 2006 when he was first arrested and again in 2008 when he pleaded guilty for soliciting and procuring a minor for prostitution. The settlement comes less than two weeks after Diamond was floated as a possible candidate for the 2024 presidential race. The megabank quashed the speculation last week saying in a statement that he's very happy in his current role with no plans to run for office. On Monday, J.P. Morgan and Epstein's victims' lawyers jointly said that the two parties had reached an agreement in principle to settle. That is in the best interest of all parties, especially the survivors who were the victims of Epstein's terrible abuse. Any association with him was a mistake and we regret it. We would never have continued to do business with him if we believed he was using our bank in any way to help commit heinous crimes. The settlement also comes weeks after three victims of Epstein's sex trafficking ring penned emotional letters 
begging J.P. Morgan Chase, exe- Chase executives to admit they knew about the sexual abuse. One of them was Haley Robson, or Robson, who was a 16-year-old high school student in West Palm Beach, Florida, when Epstein lured her into his abusive orbit. Robson, now 30, recently addressed a letter to Diamond detailing the shame and criticism she's experienced since Epstein's demise. Why did we all get picked apart publicly when the reality is you and many more knew something and didn't speak up? How did the unexplained cash withdrawals not get reported? Robson wrote, Internal bank documents revealed that Epstein, who died by suicide behind bars while awaiting trial, routinely made cash withdrawals from his J.P. Morgan Chase accounts between forty dollars and $80,000, totaling more than $750,000 a year. I may not be as smart as you, but we should at least agree that the information you withheld has hurt my feelings and many others. If you are a good human, you will just admit to making a mistake and be the first to try to do what is right to end this chapter on a positive note for all of us. It's unclear what date the letter was sent, though it was reportedly before Diamond's deposition last month. Deutsche Bank agreed to pay $75 million to settle a lawsuit, claiming the German bank played a key role in facilitating Epstein's abusive regime. Staley, who was ousted from his role as Barclays CEO in November of 2021, reportedly exchanged around 1,200 emails with Epstein during the his time at J.P. Morgan. He also visited Epstein in prison following his conviction for soliciting prostitution from a minor in Florida in 2008. The ex-JP Morgan executive is also facing a lawsuit from his former employer for allegedly personally observing Epstein as he assaulted his sex trafficking victims and failing to disclose information to his bosses about the illegal venture. In the document, the bank wants Staley to be on the hook for damages incurred as a result of JP Morgan's litigation related to the Epstein case. The Wall Street giant also wants Staley to pay back wages that he earned from at least 2006 through 2013, the years during which Epstein sexually abused Jane Doe, uh, number one, I apologize, Jane Doe won on a number of occasions in New York, Florida, New Mexico, the United States, and the Virgin Islands, according to the court filing. J.P. Morgan which has denied any wrongdoing, still faces a related lawsuit from the U.S. Virgin Islands, where Epstein owned two islands, one of which came to be known as Pedophile Island. According to the December suit from the U.S. Virgin Islands, J.P. Morgan knowingly, negligently, and unlawfully provided and pulled the levers through which recruiters and victims were paid and was indispensable to the operation and concealment of the Epstein trafficking enterprise. Epstein was reportedly a J.P. Morgan client for about 15 years, from as early as 1998. 
In its suit, the Virgin Islands calls Diamond a likely source of relevant and unique information. As to why J.P. Morgan kept Epstein on a client list after 2005, when Florida police began investigating him for molesting a 14-year-old girl. Diamond, however, has maintained his innocence, including at his deposition when he pointed fingers at former J.P. Morgan boss Staley, who left the big bank in 2013 following a 30-year tenure. Also in 2013, J.P. Morgan cut ties with Epstein for being a high-risk client over his federal charges for sex trafficking minors. Anyone else think that it's completely insane that they have the list of all the people that participated in these crimes with Epstein? Not a single co-conspirator except Gillian Maxwell, who does know all the names, is locked up in prison. None of them. Um, the show is already running a bit long today, but a couple tidbits that you should look into if you have some time today. First up, China has an intelligence base in Cuba, but the Biden administration is confident that they can continue to protect our nation's secrets in this hemisphere and beyond. To infinity and beyond. And that we can continue to defend this country appropriately, John Kirby said. This is the same John Kirby that lied to you and told you the Chinese spy balloon that traversed the entire nation wasn't collecting or transmitting information, FYI. The Washington Post CEO is stepping down, and honestly, it's glorious. And last but not least, Pakistan is getting a huge shipment of crude from Russia at an extreme discount. That is your Tuesday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I hope you guys have a wonderful Tuesday. Again, don't forget, uh, book club tomorrow night at 10.15 Eastern Time. We are wrapping up the last six chapters of Red Rising. And then following that, um, I will not have a morning show Wednesday or Thursday morning. I will be back on Friday. I love you guys. You guys take care and have a good week. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.